Hello, Stephen Pritchard. Welcome to the show. Hi, Always wonderful to have you here. You, it's you, nice to see you back again. You're pumped to talk finance today? I'm pumped to talk finance, Sarah. Oh, I've always talked with you. Wonderful. And we've got a special guest, I we've believe. Got, we've got Natalie Spence here today from Coastal Finance Group, and she's going to talk to us about finance breaking and, and how you can use a finance breaker to get a home loan deal. That sounds good. I think I need all of that advice and some more. Very good. We'll get to that. It's now, Stephen, looking at currency and commodities. Yeah, um, things are a bit all over the place this week. Um, the price of gold was up $35.71 an ounce to $2,275. Uh, the crude oil price was down $8.63 a barrel to $79.67. And the Australian dollar fell across the board down to 76.09 US cents, uh, 55.44 um, Great, pen, great British pence, and uh, well, sixty-four point three four euro cents, and the equity markets. The Australian equity market was up uh, up seven point eight points to seven thousand and eleven. The S and P five hundred was down twenty six point three to three thousand eight hundred eighty nine, and the UK FTSE index was down sixty six points to six thousand seven hundred and twelve. And some stocks that um, local investors tend to like or seem to own, um, BHP uh, was down $0.77 cents to $44.92. Uh, CBA was up $0.39 cents to $86.14. CBA has made a remarkable recovery. And uh, NIV was down $0.08 cents to $5.33. And Telstra was up $0.13 cents to $3.32. And uh, the... Fuel prices, um, the unleaded fuel price in Newcastle was up at 1.9 cents to $1.39 and in Sydney was $1.40.5 and the diesel price in Newcastle $1.31.7 and Sydney was up 4 cents a litre to $1.34.6. So a bit of movement there, Stephen. A bit of movement, you know, we were probably a bit poorer. <laughs> not what we want to hear. Superannuation's here. probably dropped a bit, but yeah, not much. That's, yeah. it's, it's the long game. It's, it's okay. Term, yep. It's all right. Okay, so in a couple of minutes, we'll catch up with Henry Jennings and we'll look at uh, the weekly market update. Yes, with Henry from Marcus Today. Yeah, it's Thursday Finance with Stephen Pritchard and right now catching up with Henry Jennings to give us a weekly market update. Hi, Henry. Hi, Stephen. How are you? I'm good. The weather's a bit better than last week. <laughs> Just a bit. You weren't flooded away? You weren't flooded away? Uh, I wasn't. We weren't flooded up here in Avalon, but I was out at Richmond on Sunday helping a friend move some uh, horses and some cattle and their their belongings to high ground. So that was um, an interesting experience, I have to say. The the water comes up a lot quicker than you think it does. Henry, you didn't get sad, did you? Seasonal affective disorder? Seasonal affective disorder? No, I didn't, Sarah. Oh, I did. A week of rain and I've got the blues. Oh, well, the sun's out now, isn't it? The sun is out, the sky is blue. And we're talking to you, so things are looking up and up. Things are. Yes, and and so are things looking up at Crown or is the offer too low, Henry? (laughs) I don't know. I've got to say, 11.85, it's about a 20% premium it was to the current share price. I was looking last night, because Crown, obviously, casino-wise, in Sydney is, is not a casino, it's, mm-hmm. it's a hotel. I was looking at the prices for a room there. Now, <laughs> I was massively priced out of my market last night. It was like $1,000 a night for the cheapest room midweek. So our $100 voucher up here to go to Sydney is not going to do us any good. No. Well, it's not going to do me any good. I was looking at booking it, you know, doing a treat. We're going to see Hamilton in a couple of weeks' time, and I thought, well, we'll... We'll stay in the city afterwards. 
thousand dollars a night, and, oh. that's, and that, and that even includes breakfast. Gee. Or free parking. Uh, no foot massage, you know, someone on so, call for that money. I, I don't. I, I have to say, Stephen, there seems to be a lot of rooms available. Mm, I can imagine. <laughs> well, you know. I'm not sure. You know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm not sure. Sydney is going to be paying twelve hundred dollars a night or eleven. Now that was the cheapest room. Well, I won't be. Why HA for you, Stephen? Well, one of the other hotels. One of the other hotels <laughs> was sent me an email this week offering forty percent off, and it was one of the big chains. Yeah, it's, so, it's weird. I mean, we've yeah. got all these vouchers and things, to, and, mm-hmm. and everyone's trying to support rural and regional. But you can't. I'm looking at going away this weekend. You can't find anywhere to go. Not in the rural areas, no. You have to go to Sydney CBD. Well, yeah, Sydney CBD has got lots of availability. If you look at um, up your way, Port Stephens Way, no availability. absolutely nothing unless you're going to pay $2,000 a night mm-hmm. or $90 a night for something that... I'm you don't want to stay in here. I don't want to stay in that. So there, there was nothing in my price bracket, mm. which is on the... You know, it's just there to sleep in. So, mm. but yeah, no, it's... Um, yeah, rural and regional is pretty busy. And I looked at the Hunter, I looked at um, South Coast, Blue Mountain, Southern Highlands, same story everywhere. Mm. And, um, yeah, well, the, the shareholders of Freedom Foods won't be going very much, will they? Well, I don't know. The, the guys that got in uh, when it collapsed, um, mm. it is now collapsing again. But, uh, yeah, Freedom Foods, which um, was off the boards for a long time uh, as uh, some interesting activities took place at the company and uh, had to be recapitalized it came back and when it came back it dropped instantly it was suspended around three bucks i think it hit 18 cents mm-hmm. before it rallied to 78 cents mm-hmm. and here we are at 51 cents so if you'd been brave and if you'd averaged a lot at 18 cents um you would be doing okay but for existing shareholders it has been a horrible horrible mm-hmm. experience i have to say not mm-hmm. a good experience at all so, yeah. and, and for those people who were shareholders at air tasker they've done all right well they have haven't they I've, i had my dick row moment i've got to say and i was writing about that in the newsletter today for those of you long with long memories dick row is famously the man that didn't sign the beatles yes so I had my own Dick Rowe moment. I'm glad you clarified that, Henry. Yes. For a minute there, I was blushing. Well, oh, goodness. Stephen knew what I was on about. Yes. Um, he, he's over 21. Yes. Um, I had my Dick Rowe moment because some years ago, and it was a long time ago in reflection, it was about eight years ago, I, Tim Fung from Airtasker came and presented to me and a bunch of other brokers when we were in uh, stockbroking land. And I looked at it and thought, nah, this isn't going to work. I can't see this is going to happen. And here we are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think the valuation at the time was about $25 million. And here we are all those years later, and the valuation's about $600 million. So there you go. I didn't sign the Beatles. In my defense, if there is a defense, I probably saw 25 of those kind of companies, out of which one has done quite well. Mm-hmm. He did sign the Rolling Stones, though, so we've got to give he, him props did, for he, that. He did. You obviously Googled that, Sarah. No, I wouldn't do that. No, um, just the knowledge. Yes, he did sign the Rolling Stones because he had to make up for not signing the Beatles. Well, you've got, well we, we, we've got to do that. Um, and mm. we'll come back in a minute and talk about Katmandu. It's Thursday Finance and we're catching up with Henry Jennings at the moment, uh, Senior Market Commentator at Marcus uh, Today. 
Yeah, so uh, Kathmandu came out with some surprisingly good results, although probably getting back to what you you were talking about, probably not that surprising with everyone's going off camping and bushwalking and whatever. So the, the profit was up uh, almost three times. Yes, uh, and I guess we, we talked about this some time ago when we first went into lockdown, is, is everyone went surfing. Mm-hmm. And that has really been a big boost for Kathmandu because they bought Rip Curl, mm-hmm. and that really has been a saviour for them. Um, I think people have been going off camping and hiking, etc., which is obviously good. But the problem is people haven't been going overseas. And so they haven't been buying those big luggage packs and the boots and all the stuff that they need to go on their overseas trek or their overseas adventure. So that has hurt the actual Kathmandu business. But everybody went surfing, um, and that's really done well for Rip Curl. So it turned out to be a really good buy for them. But uh, all important, winter season is now coming up. Of course, that's when we all fleece up and we all get our, um, our puffer jackets and our puffer vests. Mm. Um, so I guess that's going to be the next key to it. And Easter, of course, is always a very busy time for Kathmandu because a lot of people do go away camping. Well, they probably before. checked out the prices at the Crown like you and went, all right, yeah, to Kathmandu it is. Yeah, camping. camping. It's like a tent and camp in Barangaroo. There's a park there, isn't there? You oh, can buy the, the whole thing. camping outfit for the family for the price <laughs> exactly of the room. Exactly right. Done. Done. Any- and, and, and speaking of winter, Solly, Solly said they're going to have a hot winter down at Premier Investments. Uh, yeah, there's a bit of um, contentiousness about this. I guess he's not Robinson Crusoe. And there's a lot of, um, I wouldn't say a lot, but there are many companies in the ASX 2 or 300 that took the JobKeeper money um, and didn't do that badly through the pandemic. They actually did pretty well and have posted record profits, some of which has been down to the JobKeeper money. And they've paid big dividends to shareholders and they've also paid big bonuses to executives. Now, the argument has been, and some have paid back the JobKeeper money saying, you know what, thanks very much, but we didn't need it after all. Um, But Solly has said with Premier, you know what, we're going to keep it. He needs it. He he needs it more than we do and shareholders need it more. And Mark McInnes, who's stepping back from the business, having uh, been very successful running it, um, he needs it as well. So... Um, fair enough. I mean, that, that was the, the idea of the uh, thing. Um, but you know, there, there are some there are some people, and I have to say, I'll probably be one of those that would say, you know what, guys, you didn't do as badly as everybody thought, and uh, maybe you should um, help everybody out on the taxpayer front. But anyway, that's, that's life. And and over at coal mining, New Hope um, lost fifty five men for the half year. And they did. Yes, and they're still hopeful. Uh, they are. They are. Well, I call them no hope as opposed to new hope. Um, <laughs> the, um, That's not very nice. Not to it? their face. Not, sorry, I, I shouldn't. I shouldn't slag. Uh, sorry, that's another terrible <laughs> pun. Um, I shouldn't slag them off like that. What has been a boost, and it's probably one of the, the few sectors, apart from tyres, um, I was listening to this morning, has been the recent rains and floods, because this has meant that coal supplies have been disrupted coming out of the Hunter. Mm, big time. Um, and big time, up. yes. And as a result, we have seen thermal coal prices going pretty well. I think they got to over 100 bucks a tonne US the other day. So Whitehaven, which came out with a, um, a production upgrade because of the, um, the floods, which was obviously down, um, they've been doing relatively well, as well as um, New Hope. It hasn't really been reflected, I must say, in the share price, because I suspect it's only going to be a, um, a passing 
events. Mm. And maybe not a systemic thing, but um, there is, there is, I guess, some hope and no hope. But yeah, it's it's still it's still a hard um, gig at the moment being a coal miner, I guess, as we all pretend to go green and electric and, and break mm-hmm. pipes. Until, until the wind stops flying. And solar, et cetera, yep. et cetera, et cetera. Okay, right. Henry. Thanks for that. Yeah. Let's talk to you next. We'll catch up with Henry Jennings uh, next, next week. week. There you go. Thank you very much. We're going to take a quick break. Next, we'll have a look and see what's happening on the coastal waters. And when we come back, Stephen, we're going to speak to Natalie Spence, Director of Coast Finance Group, talking about finance, what a finance broker Break does, yes. how they can assist. How they may be able to assist you, how they may be able to save you some money. Uh, Stephen Pritchard, you've got a guest today. Welcome, Natalie Spence, Director of Coast Finance Group. Thank you for having me. So uh, Natalie's a finance broker, and I thought um, we'd we'd get her along to talk about um, what a finance broker is and what they do and all sorts of things. So, So Natalie, what is a finance broker? Thanks for having me, Stephen. A finance broker is essentially an advisor, not unlike your accountant or your stockbroker, who arranges loans for clients. Essentially, we're an intermediary or a middleman, if you like, between um, the customer being you and the banks. We get to know you and your financing requirements, and we subsequently deal with the lenders for you and arrange the best loan for you. So you you basically um, we come in and to 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 you and and tell you we want to want some money. Um, so what sort of loans? What sort of money can you arrange? Can you you know home loans or? Uh, yeah, Car look, loans look um, traditionally a finance broker is also known as a mortgage broker and mortgage brokers, the traditional, I guess, mortgage brokers look at um, home loans and investment property loans over residential property. So a big part of our job is home loans and investment property loans. But we also, a finance broker also deals with other types of finance such as business and commercial finance for the purchase of commercial property or business funding in the form of business loans and overdrafts. We look at motor vehicle and equipment finance, leasing, hire, purchase, and some people might have heard of Chateau Mortgages, which is mortgages over goods. Getting into the more technical things, we look at um, debtor finance, which is cash flow finance for businesses, international and trade finance, and probably a not a very well-known part of our role is arranging self-managed super fund loans. This is one form of finance that many lenders have shifted away from um, due to CIS legislation. However, there's still some very good lenders in the market that are doing SMSF lending, and um, that's something where we've found a bit of a niche in our business as well. Okay, so so if, if what what type of advantages can um, people kind of expect from using a finance broker? Well, this is where I like to um, talk about how um, great it is using a finance broker because there are so many advantages for you. First and foremost, um, using a finance broker is free to the customer. Um, Lenders actually pay finance brokers a fee when we connect them to borrowers. Finance brokers work for the customer and not for the lender. We'll put the customer's financial needs first and look for a loan that best suits their circumstances. So we'll get to know them and their requirements and objectives and, um, and work for the customer. So, so when they come to see you, what, what do so if they want to come and see you? What do they do? They ring up, and make an appointment, and then what do they need to bring? 
So, look, we generally give our clients what we call a shopping list of um, things that we need and things that we need to look at. We're all about finding out what the client's requirements and objectives are and catching up with them and discussing in detail um, where they want to be and what they want to be, where they want to be financially. But the type of things that they would need to bring to us are financial statements if you're self-employed, pay slips if you're a PAYG employer, PAYG employed. You would also need to bring um, existing loan statements, um, a rent ledger if you have been renting, and a savings record. They're the most important things. There are other things that come into more complex deals, but they're the main fundamentals of lending. How do we choose a finance broker, Natalie? Well, look, Sarah, I think um, a finance broker is really about relationships. It's about dealing with somebody that you're comfortable with and somebody that you want to have a long-term relationship with, somebody who you know is going to take the time to sit with you and understand what your requirements are and go out and search for the best lender for you. Okay, so it's that rapport. Like anything, you've got to feel comfortable and and you can get to know them and shop around. That's right, and it's a long-term relationship. So rather than you just walking in off the street to a bank and saying, I need a loan for this, um, it's about, like I said, creating rapport, having that relationship, and we know where you're at with your finances and we know um, what your next step in your financial strategy is. So you might want to have an investment loan in a couple of years. Um, You might want to start up a business. So it is. It's about that rapport and relationship and that ongoing relationship. ongoing relationship so do most people do most people um just ring you up or they're referred from someone else generally referred from um accountants and solicitors and also friends and family absolutely people that you know so if someone's had a really good experience with a finance broker generally they're the ones that go out and say hey guess what i've got this great finance broker you need to get to know her or him and deal with them because they're really going to look after you and they really take the time to understand you i must admit it's always word of mouth that sort of catches your attention most, when it comes to finance yeah yeah that's interesting someone who've done well most of them come from someone who've done some work for before and, and I think that must come down to, once again, that trust because it's a service that unless you know it, you don't know it. That's right. And having a good rapport with accountants and solicitors and other professionals in our clients' lives means that we can easily share information between ourselves as well. So it means that we've always got up-to-date and practical information to be able to put forward to the banks. Okay. So what, what were the advantages of using a finance broker? So um, absolutely the advantages are we save you time and money. You don't have to do all the legwork yourself. Uh, we know the lenders. We know what products they've got to offer. Uh, you hear all the time on the, on the radio and on the news, $2,000 cash back, honeymoon rates, great fixed rates. But with the amount of lenders that are out there these days, you really do have trouble sifting through what works for you and what doesn't. So one of the biggest advantages is we know the market. We do the legwork for you. We organise you and we put the submission forward to the banks for you. The other advantage we have is we know if it works and we know if it's a deal before we put it to the banks. So interestingly, the banks really like us brokers because we've put the deal together for them before it comes to them. Because they've got no one left in the branches, you mean? Maybe. <laughs> who knows? So, so when, you, when you said that, how do, you, how do you typically save the client some money? That's what we all want. Yeah, yeah. Well, Sarah, well, we both want to know how to save some money. That's right. Why we wouldn't do it out ourselves. And look, one of the biggest questions we get asked is why would we use you? Why wouldn't we just go into a bank? You know, wouldn't it be cheaper? Mm. Now, the reality is that the um, rate that you get from a bank is not loaded if you use a finance broker. If anything, it's probably a better deal because we have access to, I guess, wholesale um, facilities through the bank. So we know where the best rates are. We know what the real rate is. We understand 
the comparison rates. We understand the fees and charges for the life of the loan. So in actual fact, dealing with a broker generally quite often does work out to be a lot cheaper. So we can definitely save you money. And on the other aspect, um, time is money, right? So um, if you want to spend 20 hours sifting through 50 lenders as to what's the best rate for you, or you can put your 20 hours to better use by seeing a broker for an hour, then you know time is money as well. We're not only saving you money as in dollars, but we're saving you time as well. Okay. It's Thursday Finance with Stephen Pritchard and we're catching up with Natalie Spence at the moment uh, and we're talking about finance brokers. So finance brokers don't only deal with um, new loans, do they, Natalie? So if, you, if you've got an old loan and you want to make sure you're getting the, the best deal, will the finance broker review that for you? Yes, look, absolutely. We um, That's a big part of our market and a big part of what we do is... Um, reviewing existing loans and where they're at and if you're getting the best rate um, there are the options obviously to refinance to go to a better lender or to one of the things we do first and foremost is ask you to go back to your bank and ask them for a better deal so we gear people up for those conversations or we assist them with writing um, a letter to their banks to say um, you know what can we do better here and because we have that knowledge behind the scenes of what they can in fact do we quite often look after a client's best interests and we suggest to them that they go back to their existing bank first and ask for a better deal. So one of the things, of course, is that um, when interest rates starts to rise, people rush in and try to fix the rates. Yeah. But, of course, then it's all too late. So what's the view on kind of fixing rates now while rates are low? Yeah, look, um, everybody um, is individual when it comes to fixing rates. There are some really great buying in fixed rates at the moment, particularly in the two to four year bracket. There is some indication that after four years, the rates are going to start going up a bit. And um, I think Stephen would concur that that's the economic outlook yeah, in general. Yeah, the Reserve Bank said it's going to keep the rates the same to 2024. Mm. But I think some of the institutions have already started to increase the four-year fixed rates. Yeah, they? so just this week, we started to see a shift. Um, one of the majors has lifted their four-year fixed rate, which is really, um, I guess, come a surprise to some people, but it's, it is as a, as a direct response of what the RBA has announced in terms of 2024. So we expect to see some other lenders follow soon after with um, rising fixed rates out, you know, beyond four and five years. And at the moment, the fixed rates are cheaper than the variable rates in a lot of cases, aren't they? Absolutely. Great buying on two to four year fixed rates at the moment. Sub twos, you're looking at 1.89s to 1.98s. Um, there are some really good deals out there. And look, fixed rates are really attractive to some buyers, particularly when you've got a household and you've got a budget. Mm. You know, to be able to have that surety of your repayment, to know exactly what your repayment is and when it's due, particularly when you've got other commitments and you've got children, it really gives you that security for budgeting and to know where you are each month and know exactly that your repayment's not going to change in the next 12 to 18 months. So when so when someone comes along to you and says, you know, Sarah comes along to you and says, I want a very good deal, um, how many lenders would you typically have a look at Does, yeah, that you have access to? Yeah, and so, and this back comes back to best interest duty as well. Brokers are bound, we're, broken, brokers are licensed and we have obligations and we certainly um, comply with what's known as best interest duty. So we really make some recommendations to a client, generally up to five lenders, no less than three. We will come to you and we will say, based on your requirements and objectives that you've told me today, we believe that your 
key priorities are these and these are the lenders that would suit you. And we will present at least three, if not five, lenders for the customer to um, review and make a decision on. But to get to that five, how many have you got there altogether, say? Look, at at, um, the moment we're dealing with over 40 lenders. So we have relationships with over 40 lenders. Um, In terms of um, the lenders, we have access to more lenders than if you choose to go it alone as well. Uh, We have access to boutique and wholesale lenders who don't traditionally advertise to mum and dad property buyers who have some fantastic products and eager for a slice of the uh, mortgage and finance market. And some of the overheads in those companies are really low too because they don't have branch representation. So um, everything's online these days almost. So if if that's a really good fit for you, there's some really great deals out there that you may not know about unless you see a finance broker. So, so, so some loans are easy and then other loans are more difficult. Do you deal with the difficult loans as well? Absolutely. So we have um, our top tier lenders that um, like the neat and tidy loans. But then just because you've got a bad credit rating because you might have missed a Telstra bill or you might have missed a rent repayment at some stage doesn't mean that you're not going to get financed. So um, traditionally these loans were known as low-doc loans. Mm-hmm. But basically um, now you can... Easily secure finance, or not easily, but you are able to secure finance even if you don't fit all the parameters of a traditional lender. So we sure do deal with um, not only top-tier lending and top-tier clients who meet all the criteria, but there are lenders out there who are more forgiving than others. And the the lending, the uh, Responsible Lending Act's going at the end of the month. I think. Yeah, look, so it that is. It should be easier. It is. And look, the Royal Commission a couple of years ago certainly um, handed out some severe findings to brokers, um, but there are they are relaxing it a little bit now. But look, a good broker will always look after the client's best interests and put them first. Okay, thanks for that, Natalie. That's been we've, really we've, educational. I've enjoyed that. Thank yeah. you, Natalie. Hope you have. Hope everyone's enjoyed it. Oh, thank you, Stephen Pritchard. There you go for delivering thanks, that. Thanks, Sarah.